podcast number 17, Reeling in the Years by Steely Dan, an analysis. Analysis of works of art, no matter what the subject, music, painting, sculpture, etc., gives us an insight into the process of creation, in general and specifically for the artists we are studying. By analyzing multiple works from different composers, we can combine all this knowledge and then develop our own unique style. Countless times I've heard musicians say they learn their style by copying the solos and works of the people they idolize. I have chosen Reeling in the Years for this podcast because it was constructed with great detail and craftsmanship and elevated to the level of a classic by Elliot Randall's guitar work in the introduction, interludes, solo, and outro. Let's start with the overall architecture and then work our way inward. We have an introduction, the first verse, chorus, the second verse, chorus again, an interlude, a guitar solo, verse three, a chorus, interlude, and outro with another guitar solo. As we shall see, the song contains two distinct styles, almost two songs in one. The introduction, long by some standards, 16 measures, features a memorable guitar solo using the A mixolydian scale over the chords G and A in the key of A mixolydian. If you are not familiar with modal scales and keys, let me take a moment to explain. It can offer you a world of ideas and colors to work with in creating chordal backgrounds. The Mixolydian scale and key is built on the fifth scale step of a major scale. So therefore, the A Mixolydian is built on the D major scale. But you would play from A to A. The distinguishing note is the seventh note because in an A scale, we have A, B, C-sharp, D, E, F-sharp, G-sharp, A. But in the Mixolydian scale, since it's based on D scale, it would be A, B, C-sharp, D, E, F-sharp, G-natural, A. So let me play that for you, and you can hear it. This scale is commonly used in jazz and rock improvising because of that lowered seventh, one of the blues notes. So now the chords in the key of A mixolydian would be the same as the chords in the key of D major, but starting from A. So the one chord would be A. The two chord would be B minor. The three chord would be C sharp diminished. The four chord would be D. Five chord would be E minor, the sixth would be F sharp minor, and the seventh would be G instead of G sharp diminished. So now, if we were going from A to the flat seven G, which they will use in this song quite a bit, you hear that great sound. So the main chords in the Mixolydian key would be the A chord, the one, and then the two chords that contain the G. So it would be the five minor, the E minor, and the flat seven, the G major. So now we would have, our main chords would be A, E minor, 
what different colors you can get from modal keys. The secondary chords would be B minor, D, and F sharp minor. And of course the diminished, which we would stay away from definitely in a modal key. It's too harsh. Modal keys, uh, you don't want that harshness. So now if you were to create chord progressions mixing up the uh, secondary and primary chords here, you could come up with some really great sounds. If you're interested in this, I have uh, all these charts for all the keys and all the modal keys in a book I've written available on Amazon called The Songwriter's Guide to Melodies. There are seven modes, Ionian, Dorian, Phrygian, Lydian, Mixolydian, Aeolian, and the Locrian, all based on a major scale. For example, the Dorian would be from the second note, the Phrygian from the third, the Lydian from the fourth, the Mixolydian from the fifth, Aeolian from the sixth, and the Locrian from the seventh. So in the introduction, actually in all the solo parts of the song and the chorus, the composers use the Mixolydian key of G to A for the chords, and Mr. Randall improvises using the A Mixolydian scale. Also, he goes into the A Dorian scale. The difference would be the C natural. So sometimes he puts a C natural in to mix it up a little bit. Now, he might think of it as a passing tone or uh, just another note for color, or he might be using the A Dorian scale, which would be, which would be related to the key of G. I do not want to break any copyright law, so I won't play the song. Of course, you can hear it on YouTube or any streaming service, but I will play some examples so you can hear it. Okay, the first verse, and actually all the verses, are eight measures long, divided into four phrases, two measures each. The first phrase, now the harmonic progression, the chords are D, A, B minor seventh, and A in the key of A major. You could look at it as the key of D major, but I think it's A major, and uh, the key signature in the original sheet music is A major. The chords are D major, the four chord, A, one chord, B minor seven, the two chord, and then A, the one chord. There are two guiding factors in regards to the sound of these chords and their movement. This is the bass line. It descends downward from the D. So we have D, C sharp, B, A. So with the D chord, it's the root. With the A, it's the third. With the B minor, seven, it's the root. And then with the A, it's the root. This creates a downward moving line to the first pause, the cadence of the first phrase. The second important factor is the chords do not enter on the beat, but on the upbeat, anticipating the strong downbeat. So on the beat would sound like this. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. But here we have one, two, three, Four and one, two and three, four and one, two and three, four. When you listen to the recording now, in the verse, you'll hear 
these two strong factors guiding the chords, the downward movement of the bass line to the E chord, the one chord, the main tonality at the end of the first phrase, and the rhythm, which is off beat rather than on the beat. More typical of a jazz feel than of a rock feel. Now what I find also interesting is that the shuffle beat used throughout the song is used both in jazz and in rock, linking the two sections of this song. For as we shall see, the chorus is totally different feel, chord rhythm, and melody. Now let's look at the melody of the verse. I have found this technique in the music of Beethoven, where he can put anything he wants together, but he keeps certain things constant. So in this song, in the same idea, they put together two distinct elements, but they kept the underlying rhythm the same, so it holds everything together. Now, let's look at the melody of the first phrase. Most songwriters and soloists create a melody by playing chords which generates melodies in their mind, either sung or improvised on an instrument, or creating the melody or improvised solo first and harmonizing it with chords that complements and enhance the melody. Either way, the chords, the harmony, and the melody work together with the rhythm to tell the story. Let's look at the melodic line of the first phrase. Against the words, your everlasting summer, and you can see it fading fast, the notes are D, C sharp, B, A. Against the first chord, the D chord, we have the first two notes, two Ds. Now, listen to how they sound very consonant against that chord. Now, the chord changes to an A chord, and we have three more Ds, but now this D is a suspension because it's the fourth against the chord. Then it moves to three C sharps, the third of the chord. So we have a suspension to a resolution to the third. So listen to that. I'll do it again. Then the chord moves to a B minor seventh and the five notes against it are Bs, the root. So there is very consonant, it's the main note of the chord. And then we finish the phrase, it goes to an A chord, the one chord in the key, and the melody, the A note, the root. So now, except for three notes, the three Ds against the A chord, all the notes are chord tones, very consonant, ends on the A with the A note in the melody, Again, the cadence is very consonant, stressing chord tones. You'll notice that the descending melody follows or mirrors the bass line, which is a descending bass line. Practically in octaves, the bass line is D, C sharp, B, and A, and the melody is really comprised of D, C sharp, B, and A. At a slow speed, you might hear the suspensions, but going at the speed the song is played, I think you feel them more than consciously 
hearing them. Earlier, I referenced Beethoven as far as connecting musical ideas, no matter how diverse, by overlapping certain constants. For example, an underlying rhythm, as we see in this song. Or telescoping ideas, maybe in his introduction, highlighting briefly something that will happen later on and become a major part of the work. I noticed in that great guitar solo in the opening, many of the lines move down in the same type of descending pattern as the first phrase, melody and bass line. Now the second phrase is practically the same as the first phrase. There's slight variations in the melody. The chords and the chord rhythm are the same. That melody at first glance sounds very similar, but there are subtle differences. The first two notes, so you, two C sharps, are the second and third note of a triplet. In fact, all the rhythm up to this point for the melody has been based on triplets. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Now the C sharp against the D chord is the major seventh. Now a major seventh chord is typically used in jazz. As is the B minor seventh. This is played with the words, so you. The major seventh colors the chord a little softer. Now the next two notes for the lyrics grab a are two Ds against the D chord, which continues. Here we have the two Ds against the D chord, very consonant, the root of the chord. Now listen to how it changes from the major two major sevenths to the two Ds. Hear that again? And instead of the triplets, for the first time now, the melody has two straight eighth notes. So we go from a triplet and then two eighth notes, very straight. Little touches like this is what makes a song a masterpiece, like a fine painting, rather than something just ordinary. The rest of the second phrase, grab a piece of something that you think is going to last continues with all triplets, the melody and the bass line moving together. What I find very interesting though is the first phrase ends on the root of the A chord, in other words the A note against the A chord, on the second beat held into the third beat. So in other words, if we were to end the song, this is how we would end it, because you're ending with the main chord, the one chord, with the root of the chord. Now the second phrase ends earlier on the first beat of the fourth measure. It also ends on the A note, but now the chord is the B minor seventh. Notice how the same note will sound different. The A against an A chord will sound very consonant. The A against the B minor seventh, the A is the seventh note, will sound more distant. Compared to English, it'll sound like a comma where the first phrase ends on a period. Let's listen to both examples. Here's the end of the first phrase, the second measure, the A chord with the A. Now, the end of the second phrase, the fourth measure, here's the same note, but now against the B minor seventh chord.
the A chord. Sounds like a period. The B minor seventh. Sounds like it wants to continue. And it will continue now into the third phrase, which is different than the first two phrases. For a second, I'd like to talk about pedal tones and drones. Please refer to podcast 15. There, one note is constant as the chords change, which changes the color of the chord. Here is the opposite. The note stays the same, but the chord changes, and now the color of the note is changed. I notice these are very subtle, but I think they're very important. Years ago, there was a book on subliminal advertising in which they showed images in magazines where in, uh, let's say for a liquor uh, ad, there would be uh, in the ice cubes hidden pictures of either naked women or skulls or anything that you would not actually see, but you would feel. In the movies, where the movie frames are moving 24 per second, they would insert one or two frames to maybe go buy popcorn or put something scary in there if it was a horror movie to scare you. Again, you wouldn't see. Your conscious mind doesn't see it, but your subconscious does. And I think in music it's the same thing. We can put in many, many things, very subtle, that you will feel. Repetition is used to hypnotize you. Sound, the loudness, to completely take you over at a concert. Little things will add up in the final mix. Okay, now let's look at that third phrase. Now, to begin with, in the third phrase, the chord rhythm is the same, syncopated, but the chords are now different. The chords now are A7, D sharp diminished, D minor, and then A. The bass line keeps the same descending line. The A7 has the fifth for the bass, the E, then the D sharp has the root, the, with the D sharp diminished, the D minor has the root, the D, and the A has the C sharp, the third. So we get that descending bass line again. Chromatic line down. Now the A seventh is what we call a secondary dominant. Because on the one chord, you have A, C sharp, E, and if you made it a major seventh, it would be G sharp. But to make it a G, you make it A7, which is the five chord in the key of D. Whenever you alter one of the chords in the key, for example, the one, two, three, four, six, and seven, we call that a secondary dominant if you make it a seventh chord. In this case, the A7 implies that we are moving to the key of D. Once we get there, we could either stay on D in the key we're in or modulate to the key of D. One would expect the following. If he had gone to a D chord, the four chord in the key, and then make it four minor, that's a common uh, practice in music, to make the four chord in any key major, which it is major, and then move it to a minor chord. For the sake of the bass line, they make it a D-sharp diminished. And as with the first phrase, the melody and the bass line move both together in a descending fashion, but the first phrase, it used the same notes, the bass and the melody. Here, the melody is a third above the bass line. So the bass is E, and the melody is a G. When it goes to a D-sharp, 
then that moves to an F sharp. And then when it goes to a D natural, it moves to an F natural. So you see the similarities. The third phrase is not an exact sequence of the first, but very, very, very close. Now the melody itself, the words are, well, you wouldn't even know a diamond if you held it in your hand. The first two notes, well, you, are against the A chord, which finished the second phrase. So it's the fifth and sixth note of the A chord. Now here's the important part. For the words, wouldn't even know a diamond, they use the G natural, of course, which is in the A7 chord, the seventh, and very important note in this song. We have six G naturals for wouldn't even know a. And then for diamond, if you, we have F sharp against the D sharp diminished chord. And for held it in, we have the F naturals against the D minor. Now it moves up, it jumps up to an A in the D minor chord for your, and then hand is an E in the A chord. So all the notes in the third phrase are chord tones. That's very, very important. We do have two accidentals, the G natural and the F natural, reflect the downward movement and the chord choices. Also important, by jumping up to an A, instead of continuing the downward line, we emphasize the note your. And ending with the fifth of the A chord, the E, we create a comma. Also worth noting is on the words or syllable mond, if you held, those are straight eighth notes standing out against the predominantly triplet rhythm of the melody. I will play it very slow so you can hear the relationship of the notes. The A7 with the G, and now the D sharp diminished with the F sharp. Now the D minor with the F, the A, and then down back to the E. Now the fourth phrase is practically the same as the first and second, except with the addition of some eighth notes and a quarter note triplet. It ends on the root of the one chord the tonic, signaling the closure of the verse in preparation for the chorus. So the form of the verse, all the verses in this song, are, if we were to label it A and B, it would be A, A, B, A. In other words, first phrase is A, second is A, third phrase B, and fourth phrase A, which is a smaller version of A, A, B, A, where A and B are sections of larger works. This has been used for hundreds of years due to the fact that this song form, A, A, B, A, whether in a large form, medium, or small, when you're talking about phrases, is so accessible to the listener. If you are looking for ways to reach the listener, this works as a great foundation. And now the second half of the song, the chorus. The chorus is introduced by the title. They sing, are you reeling in the, and then the chorus starts on years. Are you reeling in the, reeling in the is in two, four times. So we have one measure in two, four time. And for the title, the background music stops. What better way to introduce the title than to have the background rest? Much has been written about the importance of silence resting in music. The silence between the notes 
and the use of silence in the overall structure of music. In this case, the addition of a new time signature and the absence of background music and the addition of harmony, which is added throughout the chorus, truly highlight the entrance of the title. Now, the overall structure of the chorus is the same as the introduction. 16 measures built on the same chord changes. Two measures of G add 9 and then two measures of A add 9. Before we look at the phrasing, let's look at the background for a second. Same as the introduction, the chords fall on the beat. This rhythm stays throughout. This in opposition to the rhythmic figures we've heard in the verse, such as the offbeat downward lines and this type of movement. Now for the phrasing. The first phrase. Now, on the beat, when the G add 9 chord comes in, the melody notes B and A come in on the beat. The B is the third of the chord and the A is the ninth. So those two notes for the word years creates a suspended feeling. The second phrase, stowing away the time, is basically the same as the first phrase, a few notes change just to compensate for the words. F sharp, A, 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 F sharp, B, A. What I find very interesting is the fact that against the G chord, the F sharp is the major seventh, the three A's are the ninth, and the F sharp the major seventh. The melody is on top of the chord. I will play it slow, we could hear every note. you sense that far away feel on the words stowing away the so the whole phrase is stowing away the time now on the word time they move from a B to an A now this time since it's an A chord the B is the ninth and it moves down to the A which is the root of the chord so now we have a suspended feeling moving to a consonance The rest of the chorus is built on this interplay of the same phrasing, practically, a couple of notes added here and there, but the same notes, however the chord changes create different colors every time the phrase is repeated. Then the first four phrases are repeated exactly, making eight phrases over 16 measures for the chorus. So in this chorus we've seen that the chords last two measures each and there's only two chords. They go back from G add 9 to A add 9 in the Mixolydian modes. And the chord changes are on the beat, as opposed to the verse where the chords are syncopated off the beat. And the phrases are much longer with little pause in between. The bar lines are almost blurred. And a moving bass line, which is mirrored in the melody. As I previously stated, here we have two very distinct styles in one song held together by an underlying rhythm. As with most songs, the verses tell the story and the chorus is the hook. 
And so is the case here. With each of the three verses, the music is the same, a few variations to accommodate the syllables, and the lyrics remain the same in the chorus, which you want to become embedded in the listener's mind, known as an earworm. As I mentioned in the beginning, the introductory guitar solo, the guitar solo in the middle, and at the outro, elevate this song to a classic. For anyone composing music, I hope this analysis has helped you to see the inner architecture and workings of a great song, and that you could use some of these techniques in your music. Thank you so much for your time. Take care. Ciao.